On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Hello, the magic number. Number three. Pick number three, my lord. Brewers are in great shape right now. We've got all eyes on the Cubs. Pirates are currently leading three to nothing. That game is in the bottom of the fifth inning. So more good news to report there. Pirates in front. If the Pirates hang on and win again tonight, that would put the magic number down to two by the end of the evening and mean that tomorrow could be clinch day. Hoo-hoo-hoo, boy. I'm Dom Catronio, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. We're also live on YouTube here tonight on our 620 WTMJ YouTube page. So uh, for everyone hanging out in there, come on in, hang out. Let's have some fun uh, for the next hour or so here on the program. So again, the Pirates out in front. Good news there. Also, better news is the fact that the Brewers won today. And we obviously didn't have a regular post-game show today. So let's relive some of the highlights today. It was Wade Miley against Miles Michaelis. And both pitchers worked through James in the first couple of innings. Then it was Blake Perkins opening the scoring in the third inning. 2-2 again. Hit in the air into right field, backing up Walker onto the track. Walker is at the fence, turning around, watching it go up and out of here. Blake Perkins hits it into the right field seats, and the Brewers take the lead in the third. His great week in St. Louis continues. one nothing Milwaukee. Josh Mowers call here on WTMJ. So Wade Miley staked to a one nothing lead. By the way, he would be awesome today. More on that in a moment. In the uh, fifth inning, the Brewers formed a rally with some poor defense on the Cardinals side of things. Jordan Walker had two errors charged on the same play. He missed the fly ball from Bryce Terang. Then he overthrew everything into third base. So he ends up on third. Perkins would strike out, but then it was up to Sal Freelich. And with two strikes on him, he actually had a gift. He popped foul onto the warning track on the first base side, and Andrew Kisner lost it in the sun, couldn't make the play. On the very next pitch, he made him pay. And the pitch. And Sal lines one over the head of Fermin and into left field for a base hit. Terang trots home. It's an RBI single for Sal, and it's 2 to nothing Milwaukee. Then in the next inning, things would unload for the crew. Willie Adamas led off with a bloop double, followed by a Rowdy Telez single through the left side. Had men on the corners for Andrew Monasterio. 1-0 pitch, and this is hit into left field. Yepes racing in. He won't get there. Adamas races home from third, and the Brewers lead it 3 to nothing on an RBI single by Andrew Monasterio. Now, Lane Grindle is a little subdued there, but don't worry. He's about to get excited because Victor Caratini was up next. 3-2 pitch. And Victor gets into one out to right field. Walker back at the track. Gone! Caratini! A three-run shot. And the Brewers with a 6 to nothing lead here in St. Louis. The total control from there. 6 nothing would be the final. Wade Miley was fantastic once again. Six shutout innings. He only allowed three hits. He walked two, and he struck out seven. Wade Miley is, again, I don't, I don't think it's fair to call him an unsung hero, but, man, he is one of the more underrated pieces of how well this team has been playing down the stretch. That is now 40 wins in games started by Colin Ray, Adrian Hauser, and Wade Miley. 
That's almost half your wins by those three guys. And those are your, that's your second half of the rotation. And not all of them have been in the rotation the entire season. Great stuff for the Brewers rotation. The uh, series was fantastic, too. Looking at some of the numbers from this one, I mean, the Brewers, 35 innings had a sub-2 ERA, right? They only allowed one run on Monday, and everybody was saying, oh, no, it's over, because they got shut out by Adam Wainwright and the Cardinals, and then they win the next three games. The pitching was phenomenal, and the offense woke up, too. Adam McCalvey had some great numbers. He's coming for my job here, uh, but he had some great numbers about the big inning and what the Brewers have been doing lately with big innings. I'm pulling it up right now. Since the Brewers got going here in August, it's all about the four-run inning and that they've had multiple big innings. So here in September, they've had 11 four-run innings. In August, they had eight, so that's 19 four-plus-run innings. Previously, they had a total of 22 up to that point in the season. 22 in the first four months of the season, 19 in the last two months. The offense is clicking. Things are moving quickly, as we say, here in uh, the Brewers. And again, the magic number is currently three, but it could be down to two by the end of the night if the Pirates hang on and defeat the Cubs. They are now through five innings. It is still 3 nothing Pittsburgh. We're going to talk about the playoff picture coming up in just a little bit. We're also going to talk about some of the stadium stuff you may have seen this week. I am not a politician. I'm just trying to present what we heard and be totally real with you guys. I don't see this getting passed. We're going to talk about the playoff picture up next, and we're going to talk a lot of health updates here. The bullpen, Christian Yelich, of course, uh, and also get ready for what the rotation is going to look like this weekend against the Miami Marlins if they're going to have the chance to clinch this weekend. Take our first break of the night. Come back with more, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. You can call, you can text, you can hang out with us here tonight. We're with you until the top of the hour right here on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Welcome back, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. If you want to join us here on the program, it's the Old National Bank talking text line, Old National Bank, get old. This is Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Catronio, live on WTMJ and on YouTube as well. What we're planning on doing is the day the Brewers clinch, if it is this weekend, we'll be right here on WTMJ for Brewers Extra Innings and live on the YouTube page as well, encouraging some fan interaction there as well. So we hope to hear from you this weekend, and maybe it will happen this weekend. And just a quick refresher, let's say the Pirates hang on and win. The Magic number falls to two. The only way the Brewers would clinch tomorrow is, first of all, they have to win, and second of all, the Cubs have to lose. It's that simple. Now, if the Brewers win tomorrow, but the Cubs also win tomorrow, the Magic number would still go down to one. That's assuming today's score currently holds. When the magic number is one, they control their own fate. They can win a game and get in. It does not matter what the other side does. Vice versa as well. If the Cubs lose, all of a sudden, it's over. And here's the best part. The Cubs play a day game tomorrow. The Brewers could know if they have the opportunity to clinch by game time tomorrow. If the Cubs lose tonight and they lose tomorrow afternoon, the Brewers will arrive to the ballpark knowing, okay, we win and it's over. That quickly. A month ago, it was a game and a half, and everybody was freaking out. We kept our composure. 
and it's all good. So the Cubs are on shaky playoff footing right now, and I'll, let me explain why. A, a lot of talk about who do you want to face, what do you want to do, how is it going to work. Look, I'm going to be 100% real right now. I do not want to face the Cubs because of the environment. Some folks would say, oh, that'd be fun, that'd be awesome. No. It's your home ballpark. The home field advantage would disappear. And if you want to be a glass half full guy like I normally am, you got to be real. Look in the mirror. It, it A Cubs playoff series in Milwaukee? Whew. Yikes. That would be hard. Now, it would sell out every game. By the way, playoff tickets on sale Friday morning, 10 a.m. Uh, on Brewers.com. So it's looking pretty darn good right now. But... I don't want to face the Cubs because it would be a bad environment. Not because I'm afraid of the Cubs. Now, Justin Steele has pitched very well against the Brewers. He has faltered as of late. Kyle Hendricks has only allowed three runs tonight. He's pitched very well. But it's the environment thing that that scares me. Who do I want to face? I mean, the Brewers went 10-3 and against the Reds. And if you want a freezing cold takes me after this, fine, whatever. But the body of work tells... Okay, the Brewers can handle the Reds. Now, Hunter Green is back, and he looked great the other day. But there's concerns about the Reds' bullpen. Ellie De La Cruz has fallen off the face of the earth right now, but he can flip back in the moment's notice. We know that. We've seen that. But if I'm being honest, the Brewers are the first ones to figure out Ellie De La Cruz that can figure him out again. So I would love to see that matchup. I'm not that afraid of Miami's offense. Granted, they've got, uh, they've got Jorge Soler back, and we'll see him this weekend down at Lone Depot Park. I'm also intrigued about Arizona. I, they have a good offense, and obviously they won the season series head-to-head against the Brewers. But what are they going to do with their pitching down the stretch? Are they going to use both Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly in those final two games of the year, or are they going to be able to have the luxury to save one of those guys? We don't know that yet, because here's how the standings look right now. Arizona is off tonight, as is uh, Miami. They were off tonight as well, so they are locked in. Uh, Arizona is the two-seed 81 and 72. They're a game and a half clear of the Cubs currently. Now, if the Cubs lose, they will fall out of the picture. 79 and 74, the same record as the Marlins. But the Marlins have the tiebreaker on the Cubs head to head. And this is what I'm getting at on why the Cubs are on shaky playoff footing. If the Cubs end up tied head to head with just one other team, with either the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, or the Reds, all three of those teams, if they end up tied head-to-head, they do not have the tiebreaker on any of those teams. So the Cubs would be on the outside looking in. The only team they hold the tiebreaker on is the Giants. And for my money, they're out. They're about to embark on seven of their last ten games being against the Dodgers. I don't like their odds there. I think the Giants are out. Now the Padres are suddenly acting like they're in this race. They're four and a half games back of a playoff spot. They're on a seven-game winning streak. It would be the most hilarious thing ever if they win like 13 in a row to suddenly get like a game or two back and then lose out. That would be the funniest thing ever. But I, I'm not considering them in until they're within a game. Like in the hunt, I should say, until they're within a game of the playoffs. But Arizona, they are going to back in action tomorrow, and they have a relatively, relatively... Lighter schedule. Now that they're done, they claim the tiebreaker on the uh, Giants. So they're in great shape there. Pulling up their schedule here. It's not quite loading for me. But the 
Arizona, they don't have to face the Diamondbacks anymore, or excuse me, the, the Dodgers anymore, pulling up their schedule on baseball reference, so bear with me here. But they're feeling pretty good right now. When it comes to tiebreakers, they obviously have it on the Cubs, but they don't have it on anybody else. They don't have it on the Reds, and they don't have it on the Marlins. So that could be a factor if they end up tied as the 2-3 and three wild card with one of those teams, as in the Reds, the Marlins. They would fall to the three spot, and the Brewers would be facing the Diamondbacks. I'm going to tweet this graphic out tomorrow. It'll be easier to understand at Dom underscore Catronio, D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. Don't count out the Reds yet either. I, I think the Reds, their offense is in. Eh. They're getting there. But I, here are their final three series for Cincinnati here. Home for Pittsburgh. Two-gamer in Cleveland, and they're done for. Three games in St. Louis. I mean, we just saw St. Louis. They do not look good. They're going to finish in last place. Yikes. I, I, Cincinnati's not going anywhere. They're facing three straight sub-500 teams. And I know what you said, Tom. You just said last week, sub-500 teams and playing spoiler. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is a little different. Now, Pittsburgh has been playing spoiler for the Brewers' behalf against the Cubs. They're still leading 3 nothing right now. I just wanted to give a little taste. And the Phillies, I think, are virtually locked into that number one spot. And I know I mentioned this in the postgame show yesterday. Like, ooh, what about the opportunity if Atlanta loses the one seed? Well, remember, Atlanta is hosting the Cubs next week. And the Brewers are big fans of the Braves in that series just to make sure that the Cubs stay out of the playoffs. So it may not work in the Brewers' favor that Atlanta falling out of the one seed, which I don't think is going to happen. Because if they do fall out of the one seed, that means they got probably swept by the Cubs. And then they'll be coming to town hot. I think there will be great satisfaction for Brewers fans to be the team that knocks the Cubs out of the playoffs in that final weekend of the year. And we'll talk about that rotation a little bit later on in the program. But there's just a little bit of the footing right now. Again, it is still 3 nothing Pirates. Bottom of the sixth inning down at Wrigley. Uh, Johan Oviedo, former Cardinals prospect, looking in 3-2 count on Mike Talkman. Fourth time he's facing him today. We're doing a simulcast. Stay with me here. All right, Oviedo, right-hander, set, lefty in the box. Set, rocks, fires, change up, got him swinging. Ho, 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 that was nasty. So they're through six scoreless now, for the Cubs, that is. Pirates lead 3 nothing through six. That's a perfect segue to the break. Got a couple texts to read here. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Right here on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. A couple of texts here to get to, 855-616-1620. If the Brewers clinch early, would they take it easy on the Marlins to set up a Marlins wildcard matchup? I don't think that's for certain. I mean, first of all, win as many games as you can while getting rest. But, no, I don't think the Brewers are in a position to pick their opponent. Right? You're not going to take it easy now. They're going to... Like We've already seen Elvis Pigero get placed on the I.L. I feel like as soon as they clinch, they're going to take it as easy as possible on Yoel Piamps. But, no, I don't think they need to choose. They're just going to win with the guys that they have and get guys some key rest. But I get it. You know, you can pick your opponent. I, I, Sandy Alcantara is pitching against Nashville Sounds right now. He could be available for the postseason. Uh, they haven't made it clear what they're going to do with Ayuri Perez. Uh, Jesus Lazardo, the Brewers just beat him up last time they saw him. 
Uh, Edward Cabrera was pretty good, and he's going to pitch this weekend. Braxton Garrett was really good, and uh, they're going to see him this weekend as well. So I, I, I don't think the Brewers are in a position to pick their opponents right now. Uh, this text from the 414, the crew need to lock up Contreras for years. I remind Brewers fans this. He is locked up. right? He, he is going into his first year of arbitration. He's going to be a super two. Right, he is under team control, I believe, through the twenty twenty seven season for four years. Double checking this right now. Thrilling live radio. Yeah, he's he is under team con- team control through twenty twenty seven, as of now. You can go for the extension route and lock in his value. You know, before it gets too expensive in a way, but I. You know, catchers break down a lot faster than any other position. You hope the offense sticks around, but yeah, it should be a conversation. I know he said that in the paper. I'm focused on October baseball right now, and then we can talk about all this stuff in the off season. This one from Ringo and Goodman. Since June 14th, the crew are now 53 and 32 over their last 85 games. That's a win percentage equal to 101 wins. 4.85 runs a game, a plus 95 run differential. I agree with you. Would like to see the Cubs knocked out of play and play the Reds and the Marlins and the Wild Card. Not scared of either of the three teams. Just don't want the Cubs making the postseason. Amen, Ringo. Appreciate that text as well. Uh, let's talk Yelly here real quick, though. Yelly went through another rigorous workout yesterday on the field, hit batting practice. The back is feeling better. They feel very optimistic that he will play this weekend against Miami. They obviously have... Uh, he played last Friday. You get five days retroactive maximum. So today would have been the day that they would have decided to put him on the IL to use the full five days of retroactive IL. So they tr- clearly feel he is going to be good to go. And the best part is that the Brewers are in such a good position to clinch so early, they could give him some much-needed rest down the stretch. Let's also be honest. The team's been playing really, really well without him. But imagine the team... With a healthy 100% Christian Yelich, Craig Council has said, so we've talked about that on Brewer's warm-ups the past couple of weekends when he was getting injured. I, I look at a lineup and just speaking hypotheticals here. I don't know what the Brewers are going to do with Garrett Mitchell yet. I know he's going to play all week with Nashville. Their season ends on Sunday. We'll probably see him in Milwaukee next week, rejoined with around the team. Does he get activated off the 60-day IL? Remains to be seen. Reminder, if he gets activated off the 60-day IL, he needs to be added to the 40-man roster because when you're on the 60-day, you are off the roster. Uh, The Brewers are currently full on the uh, 40-man roster right now. But, you know, there's there's some tweaking that you can do in figuring things out. Maybe uh, somebody like Chiago Vieira gets moved to the 60-day IL to make move. To make room, since you know Chiago isn't going to pitch in the postseason. Those are some of the options the Brewers could have with Garrett Mitchell. He could be up. But let's just play a hypothetical here. The starting outfield in the postseason could be Christian Yelich in left, Sal Freelick in center, Tyrone Taylor in right. Then you've got Garrett Mitchell or Blake Perkins available as your fourth outfielder off the bench. Or if Joey Weimer continues to rake in Nashville like he did the other night, maybe he comes back up. But personally, I like the base running. I like the, you always need that speedster, whether it's Blake or whether it's Garrett. Garrett's got more stolen base experience, so I'd go with Garrett. Then the DH would be Mark Canna. You don't have to play him defensively. 
because you're always going to see that defensive substitution late in the game. That keeps things flexible for Craig Council. Then the infield will probably have Josh Donaldson at third. Then uh, Adamas at short. The debate between Terang and Monasterio at second base is a real one. Terang obviously gives you better defense. Monasterio gives you a better bat. I think it all depends on the pitcher they're facing. Santana at first, Canna DHing, and Contreras behind the plate. With a healthy Christian Yelich. That's the thing that matters most. We talked about, you know, over 50 consecutive games before this back flared up on him. He wants to play every day. He's the kind of guy that takes it seriously, the extension, and wears on him when he's not on the field, not able to participate. And they're lucky that they're at a point now in the season that they are able to sit back and say, dude, get healthy. We're going to be okay. We got it from here. Get healthy, and we will welcome you back to the lineup because, man, that would be a serious. Imagine, I mean, listen, I mean, Yelly, uh, 100% Yelly at the top of the order, Contreras batting second, Santana batting third, Canna batting cleanup, Adamas batting fifth, Freelick batting sixth, Tyrone batting seventh, Monasterio or Terang batting eighth. And then who does that leave? That leaves... Who am I forgetting here? I'm going through... Oh, yeah, JD. So JD would probably bat seventh and move everyone, move Terang down to nine or eight. Yeah, so, I mean, like that's a pretty dang killer lineup, man. I'm fired up about it. Let's make sure Yelich is healthy, though, and the Brewers are now suddenly in a position that they can relax. So let's not all freak out this weekend if he doesn't play tomorrow. Maybe he'll play on Saturday. It's all TBD. Figure it out. 855-616-1620. I've got a brief segment on ballpark funding. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that up next because politics. Um, but I'm just going to try to give my two cents, play it fair down the middle, and see if we can make sense of what happened on Monday. Stay with us. This is WTMJ. Okay, welcome back. Dom Catronio with you going to the top of the hour. This is Brewers Weekly. We'll have another show next week, more of a BEI-type show. Uh, given the Brewers will have already hopefully clinched playoffs by then, knock on wood, and will starting to be taking shape of who their opponent will be since we have that odd start time next Thursday in preparation of the short week for the Packers, given they've got Thursday night football next week. So uh, we'll have a BEI and we'll have another show next Thursday. Uh, we're planning on some night before coverage on Monday, the 2nd, before the Brewers get ready for the wild card series on the 3rd. So all that is in the works. Now, what happened on Monday? The GOP legislature, remember, politics, the legislature is controlled by the Republicans, whereas the governor is a Democrat. So they're not going to agree on a lot of things. It's not hard to figure out. But the first proposal, remember, we saw in the winter was the Democratic proposal from Tony Evers saying using the state surplus to extend the lease to the brewers to 2042, another fifteen, uh, another 12 years from its currently expiring in 20 th- 2030. That $290 million proposal was rejected by the GOP-led legislature. So Monday, the GOP arrived at American Family Field and with Rick Schlesinger and with Brewers Brass saying, here is the plan we worked out with the Brewers, and this is what it sounds like. It's a total of $700 million invested. Six hundred million of it is coming from the government, meaning two hundred million from Milwaukee City and Milwaukee County, 
paid annually by $7.5 million through 2050. That's the big part of this proposal is that it extends the lease another eight years from that 2042 proposal to now 2050 for 27 years. So that would be a, a heck of a thing. And the other th- piece of that legislature said that it's ironclad. There is no opt-outs. There are no appeals for the brewers. If they get that, they're, they are locked in to 2050. A hundred million of it would be brought from the brewers, brought forward by brewers' ownership. And then the other 400 million will be coming from Wisconsin state taxes, but not increasing citizen taxes, but rather using taxes of brewers' employees and brewers' players and coaches and front office staff, using the tax collected on their salaries into the ballpark, which I haven't seen any firm language on it yet. I didn't bother researching too much on it because with what the the aldermen are saying here in the city of Milwaukee, I'd be shocked if this gets passed. And, and the other reason I'd be shocked this gets passed is because there's another caveat to this that there's the Southeastern Wisconsin Professional Baseball Board where they're the ones that are technically running the day-to-day decisions on the upkeep and everything that's happening with the ballpark that with this change... Milwaukee would lose its representation on this board, which is not good in my opinion. It's my opinion. I mean, it's Milwaukee County. It's Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee. They need to be in there. Just being real here. So Mayor Cavalier Johnson has made it very clear he is not happy with that. And I, I just don't see, for a city and a county that has struggled with money for so many years, then the suddenly be able to pay seven point five million dollars every year through 25th i just don't see how they're going to do it that being said you know i've been wrong before and politics are complicated but i am I'm, I'm not holding my breath on this proposal now what it could be is classic legislation classic politics where the gop went so far over to their direction that they're going to make a compromise to what they figured it was actually going to happen, and it sounds bipartisan and everybody's happy. Everyone just wants credit for it. They agree they both want to keep the brewers around. It's just a matter of how much money is going to be coming from the government, how much money is going to be coming from the brewers, which has been a contentious topic. But remember, in that original proposal, the brewers were offering $0. Now they're offering $100 million. So this would also lock in the lease. It's good news. It's complicated stuff. I didn't want to spend too much time on this except for two quotes real quick. A lot of talk about a beer district, okay, like the deer district. Uh, Mayor Cavalier Johnson on why they see this being an opportunity. When you look at Pfizer Forum in the deer district, when you look at uh, Camp Randall and what's around there, when you look at the Titletown district around uh, Lambeau Field, uh, I, we're not asking for something that uh, has not happened in communities around the country. You know, places that have stadiums have built up districts around the stadiums to have more jobs and more development and more vitality. And that's what I want to see in Milwaukee, too, around American Family Field. The, the reason why he wants that is because that land currently owned by the brewers and the parking lots around could then be sold to the city of Milwaukee or the county and say, hey, the brewers would charge rent, perhaps, or you know, property taxes on it. But now... That's income for the city and income for the county to help pay back the brewers. But if you're the brewers, you think, like, well, it's our land. Why don't we do it ourselves? Here's what Rick Schlesinger had to say about 
the potential of a beer district. It is interesting to speculate what possibly could be developed. It's not imminent, and it's not our focus now. And the reality is there are so many conditions and prerequisites before ballpark development of that nature could happen. So it's not happening anytime soon. They've heard your comments about it. The battery in Atlanta, the ballpark district in St. Louis, uh, Texas Live down in Arlington, uh, what the the uh, the A's are trying to do with their new stadium, what Tampa's going to do with their new stadium. This is not a new idea, but it's something of contention because the city of Milwaukee and the county want to find a way for them to generate revenue off of this uh, if the Brewers are going to be locked in and they're going to be getting city of Milwaukee and city of and county of Milwaukee funds on this. And the other five count the other four counties would not be included on all this by the way. Ozaki, Washington, uh you know, it, it's not like the old five county tax. It that's not a thing. And your taxes would not go up under this plan, but I don't see this plan getting passed personally, but who knows? It's politics. We might be shutting down the government tomorrow. I don't know. That's why I work in sports. Uh, let's talk injuries in the bullpen specifically. Let's talk about what's to come here for the crew, what they need to figure out here down the stretch before the uh, the clinching moment may happen. So let's uh, refresh, shake off all that politics talk, and get ready for some actual baseball talk. All right, stay with us. This is Brewers Weekly. Score update from Wrigley. Cubs got on the board. Dansby Swanson, RBI single. But Pirates got out of the inning. Seiya Suzuki 0 for 4 today. That's huge. They're through seven innings at Wrigley. 3-1 to one Pirates. The Pirates hang on. The Brewers' magic number is down to two, which means they can clinch tomorrow in the event that they win and the Cubs lose. The Reds were idle uh, today as they're getting ready to get in action tomorrow. Let's talk bullpen, shall we? In case you missed it, Elvis Peguero is on the IL. Elvis Peguero will miss the rest of the regular season on the injured list with what the Brewers call elbow effusion. Fluid buildup in your arm. They've made it clear he is going to pitch in the postseason. They wanted to give him a break. Another guy I think they really want to give a break is Yoel Piops. I tweeted this the other day. His release point has slowly fallen by a few inches throughout the season, in addition to his average fastball velocity dropping since May. That's just a couple of signs of fatigue. It's normal to go through fatigue. It's a long season. And for Piops, just saying it out loud, 66 games, that's a career high by by 25 Okay, he had 41 games appeared last season. He's got 66 this year. He's only got 13 more innings, though, even though it's 25 more games. But he's just physically throwing more pitches with the strikeouts, 73 strikeouts versus 41 strikeouts last season. You know, he's a great ground ball guy, and he's huge for the Brewers. They need to figure out how to get him some rest, and obviously clinching ASAP would do that for you. You're not going to put him on the IL, but you're going to give him plenty of time between starts. You're not going to need him back-to-back anymore. right? It's going to be a, a weird sense for Craig Council in that he can actually take the, the pedal off a little bit, you know, ease up on the pedal where he doesn't need guys to go back-to-back outings. He doesn't, I mean, shoot, the Brewers won, a, won three out of four in St. Louis. They didn't need Devin Williams once, right? Because they, they're winning big in their wins. It's been mostly close losses these days. Another guy I'd like to see, you know, get a little bit of a breather getting ready for the postseason is Trevor McGill. Granted, they used him as an opener for Colin Ray. They won't need to do that. We're going to preview that in the final segment with the rotation coming up. Oh, hey, old friend Brad Boxberger's on the mound. Uh, for the Cubs, that is. He's finally back and healthy. Good for him. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, uh, the thing with Trevor McGill, again, 
nearing career. He had 39 games last year with Minnesota. And that's not even including his appearances in the minor leagues. But he's found something new with the velo, the curveball. He's going to be pitching into October for the first time in his career. He's already got a career high in strikeouts, 50 Ks in 32 and two-thirds innings. He had 49 last season in 45 innings. I'd like to see him get a little bit of a breather because, in my opinion, the Brewers are going to start getting a little more hodgy-podgy with how they're going to use the bullpen. And I talked about this in Wednesday's show. You're always quick to your bullpen in the postseason. It may be a little different for the Brewers situation, given how good their starters are. But I could see Trevor McGill being the first guy out of the bullpen in the postseason. You know, if it's the sixth or the seventh inning, I could see that happening. I bet they're going to want to give Abner Uribe clean innings. So then, in that situation, Abner would have the eighth, and then you go Devin in the ninth. So then you save Piomps and others for another day. And another real quick note, and I'll close with this a reminder the wild card series is three consecutive games. Okay. If you can win in two, that does massive benefits, you know, stating the obvious. But the NLDS has a built-in off day, an extra off day. Game one would be on Saturday the 7th. Game two is on Monday the 9th. There's a Sunday off day. So you can use all of your leverage relievers for three consecutive games in the NLDS. They're going to get a day off, right? Day off between game one and game two. Day off between game two and game three. And then you can use them in game three. The only time they'll actually have to throw back-to-back is between game three and game four. And, you know, there's an opportunity for relievers to pitch all five games of an NLDS because of the off-day schedule. Keep that in mind as Craig Council tries to find a way to keep get some rest and keep these guys fresh heading into October. Let's talk rotation. Let's talk what's ahead for the Brewers getting ready for the Marlins this weekend. And then they're back home for the final homestand of the year. Should be a whole lot of fun. Stay with us, Brewers Weekly. All right, got four minutes left here on the show. Insurance! 4-1 Pirates. Old friend Brad Boxberger just gave up a run. Top of the eighth inning. Pirates leading 4-1. to So that game's not going to be over by the time we're off the air. And if you're listening in podcast form, you probably checked the Cubs score as soon as you woke up. So uh, hopefully this stands and the magic number is two. So that'll be a whole lot of fun. Uh, real quick, heading ahead, uh, looking ahead, Marlins. Three-game series coming up for the final time against a non-NL Central team because it'll be the Cardinals and the Cubs to finish the year. No starter announced for tomorrow, but for the Marlins, that is. Oh, another run! 5-1 Pirates! Get on your horse, Connor Joe! Oh, he fell off the bag. Still got a double, though. It's okay. RBI double, 5-1 Pirates heading to the bottom of the eighth. Always been a Jolly Roger guy. Always been a... Raise it. <laughs> they, that, they have some fun with it. I feel bad that Kutch is on part of this, too, since he got the Achilles injury. Anyway, I digress. Uh, so David Bednar is probably going to have the ninth. They're heading to the bottom of the eighth right now at Wrigley with the Pirates up by four. Um, Corbin Burns versus probably an opener and Johnny Cueto tomorrow. 5.40 first pitch central time, by the way, so a little earlier than usual. Back to the eastern time zone. Woodruff versus Lazardo on Saturday. That's another uh, earlier start time. That will be an odd one. It'll be 3.10 central time for that. And then on Sunday, Freddy Peralta against Edward Cabrera. That game will be at uh, 12.40 central time. I mean, you got the big three lined up. And what does that mean 
for the Brewers heading into the postseason. You know, let's just go ahead and think ahead here. Postseason, what would it look like? So, with Burns going tomorrow, off day on Monday, they don't need the six-man rotation anymore. Colin Ray has already been optioned. So, Burns' next start could be Wednesday if they stick it to normal rest to get him back onto a playoff clock. Or it would be Thursday if they want to keep him the normal rest that they had on the six-man rotation because they can afford to do that. Let's say he goes Friday, Wednesday. That means Woodruff goes Thursday against the Cardinals and Freddie goes Friday against the Cubs. That would put Adrian Hauser on Saturday and then Miley in game 162, which sets up Burns, Woodruff, Peralta for the wildcard series. Good luck. Because at this point, it would have to be something catastrophic for game 162 to matter. Truly, something catastrophic would have to happen. You've got, what is it now, nine games to go? And your magic number is three, soon to be two? That means you're going like one and eight. Knocking on wood, knocking on wood. But, you know, pedal to the metal. You don't need, doesn't look like you need any of those A guys in the final three days of the season, which is good news. And that same comment I had about the extra off days in the postseason and how the bullpen can be used aggressively. Well, think about it for the starting rotation. Let's say the Brewers win it in two, right? Let's say they win their wild card series in two games. You use Burns on the third in game one, Woodruff on the fourth in game two. That means Freddie Peralta would start game one on Saturday. And because of that off day, you go right back to Burns in game two on Monday, off day on the 10th, Woodruff on the 11th, and then Freddie again on the 12th. Now, what you could do is you could hold Freddie for a game five if necessary, because I don't know. Well, no, it's scratch that. You can keep Freddie on the 12th, and Burns would go on the 14th on that Saturday. So get greedy. Set it all up. Let's have some fun. Brewers extra innings all weekend long right here on WTMJ, and let's see if tomorrow is going to be the day that they clinch. My thanks to our producer, Matt Sossler. I'm Dom Catronio. Let's have some fun this weekend down in Miami. Until then, keep on swinging.